Sirius XM Sports Podcasts presents Mad Dog's Daily Bite with Christopher Russo. And good afternoon, everybody! Ten questions that will get a little feel of spring training uh, this year. So... Ten questions I want to start with as far as the spring training is concerned this year. And we'll put them in, you know, go from ten all the way to one. And I have them in in a relative order of what I would consider least important to most important uh, as far as the year is concerned. So let's do that uh, right out of the gate and go from there. All right. Question number ten. Spring training, of course, uh, the season starts on March 30th. We'll do plenty of things on the rules of baseball and it changes there once we get a little closer to opening day uh it's hard to get a gauge on it we haven't played any games yet Uh, everybody seems to love the pitch clock but we'll save that for a little later on uh in march i'm sure on one of those dead days where people are not involved and not into the NCAA tournament. We'll do some baseball for you in that scenario, and we'll do the rules then. So this is specifically spring training, and uh, 10 questions uh, that uh, certain teams and that are really most important as far as the sport is concerned with ball clubs, and away we go. So here we go. Now, question 10 in spring training to me is, which team got the best shortstop? Uh, You're not going to know it in spring training, but I think that is very significant. San Diego with Bogarts, Minnesota with Correa, obviously Trey Turner uh, with what he does with the, uh, you know, going to the Phillies and the Cubs getting Swanson. Those four shortstops, who made the best deal? Now, he's certainly not going to know about this on February 21st, but this is where, you know, the shortstop, you know, who gets a little nervous, wants to live up to his big contract, trying too hard, all those things can stay healthy I think that is a very significant question at the beginning of the year. Correa's been in Minnesota before. Uh, he took the worst deal. He turned down two other teams, but he knows the city. He knows the team. They know him. So not as many questions there. Uh, Bogarts is playing in San Diego. Uh, it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's a small market. I know it's a big team. But it's not a big media presence there. The Padres are not in everybody's tip of their tongue. I think people in San Diego could be more wrapped up, of course, with Bogarts. So from that standpoint, I'm, I'm not too sure what sort of juice you're going to get there. Uh, as far as the Padres are concerned, he's sort of in a, he's out of the way out there in the West. Uh, Swanson with the Cubs. The Cubs are not ready to win yet. Uh, and Swanson he did, got the least amount of money out of the four of them. Uh, he's a very good player. He's not a great player. You can't build your team around him. I think he would be something's interesting, but I think the biggest question would be Trey Turner going to Philadelphia. Big market, a team that's not going to have Harper. They got to the World Series, and he got $311 million. So, he got the most money out of the four shortstops. 200 Correa, 177 Swanson, 289 Bogarts, and 311 uh, Turner for 11 years. I think that question, and the shortstops in general, but uh, Turner with the Phillies, forget no Harper for the first half of the year they did get to the World Series last year there's probably a little Super Bowl 
hangover right now with the Philly sports fan regarding the whole loss to Kansas City. Uh, and, you know, they probably are still chewing on that and, you know, wondering about Hurts and all those things with his, you know, down the road future and his contract. But I think Turner going to the Phillies, you know, he claimed he wanted to be on the East Coast. I think that is uh, an interesting question as all the shortstops. That's number, that's number 10. Number nine to me would be the Red Sox and their pitching. And the Boston's a big market coming off a terrible year. They lost, obviously, Bogart, so there's a lot of, you know, angst in that area right now for their team. Uh, they got Devers signed, which is important, but they need the two pitchers at the top of the rotation, Sale and Paxson, to be halfway decent. So I think the Red Sox, you know, they're never a quiet organization. The owner got booed on the winter hockey game with Pittsburgh and the Bruins at Fenway. Uh, so he is under the gun right now. They booed him out of the building. Henry's a very quiet guy. Uh, you could He was seething. He probably was stunned beyond disbelief that he got booed out of the place. Uh, and, uh, and it wasn't shortly, and shortly thereafter, he made sure he got Devers signed, if you noticed. But I think the Red Sox and the sort of year that they could have brought some veterans in who should help, including Justin Turner. But what the Red Sox do this year and can they be pretty decent in the American League East. I think a lot of it's going to come down to the health of two starting pitchers. Paxson's always hurt the ex-Seattle Mariner. And of course, Sailor's done nothing for two years. That is something that is very interesting to me. So that would be question number eight. Question number seven would be Texas and the additions that they got to their team. The two ones that are most significant would be DeGrom and the manager. I don't care about Avaldi. I'm not that wrapped up on, you know, uh, uh, Odorizzi. I'm wrapped up on DeGrom and I'm wrapped up on Boach. Let's do DeGrom first. $185 million. The man the last two years has barely pitched. He won it out of New York. He didn't go out of his way to stay in the Big Apple. He went to Texas, a perennially bad team. Big pitcher contracts usually are a complete disaster outside of Scherzer who with the Nationals worked out but these big contracts with pitchers usually very never never work and he signed 185 with the Rangers and he already had a bullpen session corralled or curtailed because of uh, something with his side so whether he can make the 25 to 28 starts will be something that we're going to look at all year long with DeGrom uh, and uh, you know listen if he does Texas is going to be much better because he's the best pitcher in the sport when he's healthy, uh, even in the American League and even, of course, in those smaller ballparks. But if he's healthy, he can make somewhere between 25 and 30 starts. That gives Texas a fighting chance, a team that never has any pitching. So whether he can do that uh, remains to be seen. I'm not sure, but uh, either the Rangers are banking on it. They gave him a fortune. That's number... And then Bochy, of course, he's been out of the game now for a while, hasn't managed in a while. Uh, the last three years, he hasn't managed. 68 years of age. You know, uh, he did look a little old there at, at the winter meetings. Uh, if the sparkle is in his eye, a lot of people wondered, uh, does he still have it? He's a Hall of Fame manager, managing in a new league, been out of the sport for three years. What's in uh, Bochy? What does he have left to be a manager for a team that's in the rebuild stage that's trying to win? I think that is question uh, number eight. Question seven would be Seattle. Can the Mariners make that next step forward? Can the Mariners get into a situation? 
situation where they're consistently good? And can they jump from, say, 88 to 90 wins all the way into contention and fight the Astros for the NL, for the American League West? They got excellent starting pitching. They did not add a big bat. You know, they made some trades in the offseason. They got Wong to play second base from the Brewers. Uh, they brought Teoscar Hernandez in from Toronto to play in the outfield. Uh, but they are. They lost Hanniger, but they replaced him with Teoscar. I mean, Rodriguez is a good young player. Where is uh, the Mariners uh, on this next logical step? Can they jump? From being a fun team, well, look at this, Seattle, they're all pumped up for baseball, Pacific Northwest. Can they go from just being a fun little story to a team that you can count on every year to be in a postseason mix? Last two years, they've won over 90. Last year, that paid off. They actually won a two-game series against the Blue Jays. We shall see here uh, about uh, Seattle. That would be uh, uh, question number seven. Question number six to me would be the A's. What are we going to do with the franchise? This is more of an off-the-field scenario than would it be on the field, but the A's future has to be decided sooner rather than later. I think if there's a knock on Manford, and it's a very fair knock, he takes forever to make these big decisions. It took him forever to do something on the rules. It took him a long time to decide the Astros. He takes a long, long time to, you know, find a solution to a scenario. And it's about time now for the A's. We've been reading about the A's in Tampa for 100 years. The A's cannot play in that ballpark too much longer. They are not going to build a ballpark in that in Oakland for them. That's not going to happen. You know, this Howard downtown, Howard market thing, that's a pipe dream. Uh, when are we finally going to find out about the A's? We, are, are they going to be in, you know, basically in Oakland for, for forever in purgatory where they're going to be playing in that you know, awful facility? That facility has been a terrible facility forever and baseball has really done nothing about it. And they've examined this Howard market. They haven't told us about Vegas. We don't know what they do with Nashville. The A's situation sooner or later has to play itself out. That would be question uh, number six. Question number five. Five to me would be the Orioles. The Orioles are a feel-good team, great ballpark. They're going to organize a long-term lease in Camden Yards uh, before uh, middle of July, which is good for the city and good for the team. Uh, Angelos, uh, they figured out the ownership situation. They got a lot of young players. They got the best young farm. They got the best farm system in the sport. They got this Rodriguez kid who's going to join the rotation this year. He was drafted by Dan Duquette. Everybody swears he's going to be a, he's like the best prospect in baseball. We know about Rutschman, the catcher. We know about uh, Henderson, the infielder who had a little cup of coffee last year. The Orioles won 83 games. Can the Orioles become the Orioles of old and really be? Uh, it's a great town and a great baseball market. And they, you know, they've won a lot of championships and they got a great baseball tradition. Can Baltimore begin to get that back? They began last year. Can they continue? That would be question five. Question four for me would be San Diego and the Dodgers. Can the Padres finally overcome LA? They did in the postseason, which is important. And that's tremendous. And at the end of the day, obviously more important than winning a division. But the Dodgers have had a stranglehold. I know the Giants won, but they've had a stranglehold on that division for the most part for the last decade. But the Dodgers right now are in a little bit of a crossroads. Lost Turner didn't really replace him. 
Bueller still hurt, didn't add a big starting pitcher. Uh, you know, they lost Justin Turner. They're going to go with Muncie at third base. San Diego, meanwhile, obviously brought Bogarts in to play uh, the left side of the infield. They got all their pitchers signed. Uh, they obviously, uh, you know, they're going to get Tatis back. They made the trade for Soto. Uh, the Padres, they, you know, uh, very interesting year for them. You know, at the end of the day, if they win 88 games and go deep in the playoffs like they did last year, nobody's going to care. But for the next six months, can the Padres be the team in the NL West? And can they upend L.A. and let L.A. play for wild cards and let the Padres play to win the whole thing? Uh, that's an interesting call. I think they got off to a bad start. The fact that Machado couldn't wait to get out of his limo to tell everybody he's going to opt out of his contract, uh, you know, which to me, you know, I made no sense uh, to do that. He should have said, listen, I love it here. I, my wish is to stay here long term. Let me have the season and we'll discuss the contract at the due time. February 17th is not the due time. That's what he should have said. He didn't say it that way. Can San Diego overtake L.A. and win a division for the first time in eons? That, that would be question number four. Question number three is who's better equipped, Yankees or Mets, to go to a World Championship or to get to a World Series? Yankees haven't been there since 09. Mets haven't been there since 15. Mets haven't won since 1986. The Yankees have only won one World Series in the last 21 years, despite always having probably the number one payroll in the sport. The Yankees brought Rondon in. The Mets, of course, basically just kept their team together with the exception of Verlander for DeGrom. Who's better equipped to go to the World Series? I think the Yankees probably are because it's a little easier in the American League than it is in the National League. National League has the Braves has the Phillies, you know, has the Dodgers, has San Diego. The American League, it's really just the Yankees and the Astros. I mean, you know, the Indians are not winning a World's Championship. Tampa's not winning a World's Championship. Seattle's not winning a World's Championship. The Yankees and the Astros and Rondon should help the Yankee pitching staff. Him and Cole, top of the rotation, has to stay healthy. But I think the Yankees are a little bit more equipped to get to a World Series right now than the Mets are. So, I mean, Yankee Mets got a lot of old age with their rotation, and that has to hold up in October, then they have to respond and pitch great. They did not last year, and that's why they lost. Scherzer and DeGrom. And now they bring in Verlander, who just turned 40. I think that's a very interesting question in New York. That's question three. You know, we haven't had a repeat winner in a long, long time in the sport, and that would be question two. Can the Astros win back-to-back? The Yankees were the last to do it in 98-99. That's a quarter of a century. I had Dusty on TV yesterday. He was raring to go. They have an excellent starting rotation. A lot of pitchers. Yes, they lost Verlander, but, you know, listen, uh, they got, you know, Valdez is great. They got Javier signed. They got Hunter Brown for forthcoming. They brought a Breu in. Brantley's back. The Astros are probably still the team to beat in the American League. They've been to back-to-back World Championships. They've won four pennants in the last six years with two titles, but they have not done it back-to-back. Are the Astros equipped to repeat? That would be question number two. And finally, question number one, is there any way that the Angels, via their play, can convince Otani to sign a long-term deal? I think that is question number one. You know, the agent said a couple days ago that uh, they're going to explore free agency. But if the Angels play really well and Trout gets in Otani's ear and everything is hunky-dory and Rendon is healthy, Tyler Anderson is adding something, there's 40000 a night in Anaheim, Artie Marino's all pumped up. If those kinds of things happen, now he probably would look anyway uh, to, um, you know, to be a free agent. 
But look at it the other way. If the Angels are a disaster again or a mess or out of it by May 1st, Nevin stinks, he's gone, and then they look to trade Otani in July. The other way, the second, the former, what I just said, is better than the latter. So the Otani Angels situation this year was very significant because I think if the Angels are really good and they're possible, they could be. And, you know, uh, and, and, they're, they're, uh, and Trout's healthy and Rendon's healthy and, and Otani's having a good time. I wouldn't rule out Otani staying on the West Coast in Anaheim. Those are your 10 questions for spring training. Want more Chris Russo? Listen to Mad Dog Unleashed weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Mad Dog Daily Bite is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.